When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Well, welcome to the Friday Q&A day. This is the first Friday in February. My, how time flies. <laughs> and and in Florida, well, this is like the first month of spring. So the first month of spring is uh, February, and then summer starts in like April or May, and then it continues through mid-October when we have fall until December sometime, and then we have winter for about a month. And that's the extent of our seasons. So it's, it's got a lot going for it, except for that middle of the year kind of thing, that summer deal, which is when we try to escape. I'm Don McDonald. Welcome to Talking Real Money, the Friday edition, the Q&A edition. And we've got one, two, three, four, five questions lined up from you guys for today. So without further ado, let's talk to you. Okay. Hi, Tom and Don. This is Andy from Ohio. I really enjoy your podcast. You're very informative and useful in dealing with a lot of financial questions. I have a couple questions concerning an old retirement, old retirement accounts. I was going back through my file cabinet and I have statements from old 401ks, IRAs, etc., going back clear to the 90s. I was even irritated when I discovered that one of my Roth IRAs was actually in a flexible annuity with a seven-year lock. I didn't even know that at the time. I had no idea what a flexible annuity was and why I was in it. But anyways, I'm no longer with that advisor, so that's good. Uh, my question is twofold. So I was keeping these records because I figured that at some point when I withdraw the money and retirement that I would only have to pay taxes on the growth. So I need to keep track of my cost basis that I'd put in myself originally. Am I wrong in this thinking? You know, I thought, say, for example, if I start put a hundred thousand dollars over the years in my, of my own money into the accounts. And then when I retire, it's worth 150,000. I was thinking that I would only have to pay taxes on the $50,000 growth, not the money I just put in myself. Um, if this is correct, how do they calculate that when you withdraw the money? How do they keep track of that? Or do I need to keep all these receipts to kind of figure out my basis? Anyways, uh, appreciate all you do, and I'm looking forward to your answer. Thanks. Well, Andy, you may have been looking forward to it, but uh, you're not going to like my answer. First, let me start with variable annuities. It is unconscionable to sell someone a variable annuity in a qualified retirement plan because the extra fees and commissions and the like uh, aren't worth it. They're just not worth it. And, and you can't have double tax deferral. And that leads me to your second question. Well, if you're in a regular IRA and you put $100,000 in, well, you should have gotten a tax deduction 
or not paid taxes on that $100,000 of income. If it was a 401k, for example, those would have been pre-tax dollars going in. Therefore, the government has never received their taxes for those. So when you take the money out, the U.S. government is going to want taxes on every penny you take out. So those old statements, you don't need them. You don't need to keep track of what you paid because your cost basis on any qualified pre-tax retirement plan is zero. You pay on every penny you take out. If you have a Roth IRA, then everything comes out tax-free completely. So there's no need, again, for a cost basis. The only time you need to keep track of cost bases is when you are dealing with a taxable account. So uh, I know that's not the answer you wanted. Makes the paperwork easier, but you're going to pay a lot more in taxes. Thanks for the call, Andy. We appreciate it. I hope you keep listening. Take care. Remember, you can send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Right there on the contact form, you can record them there, or you can call us at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Let's go to another one that came in from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hey, guys. I'm a new listener, and I really love your show. My question is about Roth IRA custodians. I'm currently using M1 Finance. Are there any advantages to using one of the big three? Fidelity, Vanguard, or Schwab instead of M1. I pick them because of automatic rebalancing and no fees or commissions. I'm invested in Vanguard's total stock market ETF, VTI, and Vanguard's total international stock ETF, VXUS. I don't have any bonds because I'm still in my mid-20s. Am I paying a higher expense ratio for these ETFs by going through M1 versus Vanguard? And are there any other disadvantages to going with M1 versus one of the big three? Thanks. M1 is fine. There's not a single drawback of which I'm aware. I, I think it's great. They're small. Um, I, I don't think that's a disadvantage. They, uh, people love them. So, no, I don't think so at all. And you're not getting any extra fees. I think that uh, it's a fine place. And the rebalancing is very nice. Now, one thing, I just looking at your portfolio and your age, uh, I think that you might want to consider adding a small cap value to that mix just to give yourself that added small cap and value tilt to the portfolio. Either look at Vanguard's or look at Avantis's. Avantis's Avantis might be kind of cool. It's a little bit more aggressive, a little smaller, small cap, and you can probably afford that, and it'll give you another fund group too, which that fund is AVUV. But either way, you're good. You're doing fine. Keep doing it. You're going to be in great shape when you retire. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for the call. Now, or the call, <laughs> the question sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com or spoken in at TalkingRealMoney.com. And you know, it sounds really good if you have a really good mic. You know, I should try that one of these days. I should actually do a segment of the show on the Talking Real Money thing through a really good mic just to see how it sounds. I'm going to do that. Let's see. I think it's time for another question. Yep. Yep. Here we go. Hi, guys. This is Kevin from Ohio. I just had a question about what measuring stick you guys use to determine what is a good fund, whether it's a mutual fund or an ETF. And the reason I'm asking that is because I recently heard you on a podcast when talking about what you use to look up funds and you talked about using Morningstar, but you told the person who asked a question 
not to pay attention to the stars or the ratings because those are an indication of past performance. And although I do agree with, you know, we can't predict the future and we don't know what those funds are going to do going forward, I do feel that you have to pay attention to the past performance and the history of those funds because it's a good indication of what those funds could do going forward in that if they've had a good track record over the last 20 to 30 years, there's a good likelihood that they will have a good track record going forward, same as a fund that's had a poor performance over 20, 30 years, then it's a strong likelihood that they'll continue to underperform in the future. So I was just curious what you guys are using as a, uh, you know, to measure and determine what is a good fund if you're not paying attention or really taking into consideration the past performances and the history of those funds, because it's not an indication of what the future will hold for those funds. Uh, Thank you for your time. Kevin, this is such a great question because it's something that everybody needs to hear. You're stuck in the old Wall Street way of looking at things, the CNBC way of looking at things, the analyst way of looking at things. Well, not even analysts. They don't necessarily look at past performance because past performance is truly not indicative of future results. And there have been multiple really incredibly detailed studies done into this, and they have found over and over and over again that those funds that even over long periods of time consistently outperform their benchmarks do so based almost entirely on luck. As a matter of fact, there was a Swiss Finance Institute study that found that I think it was less than 1% of actively managed mutual funds showed the potential for some kind of skill, potential. But there was no no way to, to know that they just weren't experiencing incredibly long-term luck, which can and does happen. Long-term luck happens. We all, as human beings, want the easier explanation. We want to believe that we're smarter, that there are people who are smarter than the market who can consistently beat it. But nothing in academia supports that argument. Nothing supports it over long periods of time. The other problem is good luck finding a mutual fund with a 30-year track record. Uh, generally, there are they are few and far between. And again, there might be one once in a while, but there is nothing to indicate that they are skillful. It is more likely that they are lucky. So what do we look at? We look at how the portfolio is, in, is constructed. What asset classes do they own? How broadly diversified is it? And the number one factor we consider, the number one factor, because even Morningstar has said there is only one thing that consistently predicts better performance. Morningstar said this and many others. There is only one thing that consistently predicts outperformance, and that is the fee. The lower the fee, the better you are likely to do. So we look at structures of portfolios. We look at uh, their tilts toward things that have shown over many decades 
to outperform. And I'm talking about 10 decades in some cases. And those are things like growth versus value. Value has outperformed. Those are things like small versus large cap. Small cap has tended to outperform. So then there are a few others, but there aren't very many. As Eugene Fama, the Nobel Prize winner, said, there are only about five things that you can look at and possibly predict the performance. Five things. Small cap, value, earnings, growth, some, some things like that. But if you're looking at the performance of a mutual fund, it is not indicative of anything except what they have already done. That's why they say past performance is no indication of future results because it isn't. That is actually the truth. But we want to believe that there are smart people out there that can beat the market because I think it makes us feel better about ourselves too. We can't beat it, so you might as well join it. That's our philosophy. Can't beat it, join it, just tilt the right way. And uh, you have a question, call it in at 855-935-TALK or speak it in at TalkingRealMoney.com. And uh, uh, wait, who, what? where did, oh, oh, it's me. All right, I'm going to try this through the really good mic that I have. I have, <laughs> I am speaking to you through a $3,000 mic through a very expensive interface. And I wonder if it sounds a lot different than it does with just a uh, regular computer mic. So I told you I was going to do it. And look, just like that, I did. Okay, so a really good mic does make a difference. Is it huge? No, but it does make a difference. Oh, sounds pretty good. So everybody run out and get a really, really good mic. No, there are so many great USB mics out there. I mean, really, really great USB mics. Uh, Shure makes a great USB mic. Uh, Audio-Technica makes a great USB mic. I don't think the Blue Yeti's that good, by the way. I don't like it that much. Uh, it's okay. What are the others? Uh, Apogee makes a pretty good one. So, oh, let's take another question that came in from somebody's computer, like, well, like this one here. Hello, gentlemen. I'm hearing a lot of hype about these newfangled exchange-traded funds. Can I automate ETF buying like I do with my tried and true mutual funds, though? Last I checked, I could not schedule a $1,000 purchase of ETFs on the first of every month the way I do with my mutual funds. Thank you kindly. Well, sir, I do believe you found one of the disadvantages of them newfangled ETF-y things. Yeah, systematic investing in them can be a bit problematic because it is a security that trades throughout the day. So I guess that might be a little little tough for them. I don't know of anybody who's doing it. There might be somebody out there, but yeah, it, it is definite, definite, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to do it through a mutual fund to do the systematic investing. So yeah, there's a little drawback. I, I again I don't think it can be done. I I've never seen anything about it. So thanks for your question. I do appreciate it. And next time when you're gonna say newfangled, you gotta say right. Them newfangled ETF thingies. There you go. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by our little uh radiographic uh podcastic programmic. Now I think we have one more for the day. Hey Don and Tom, just want to tell you how much I appreciate the podcast. I have a 403B through my employer, 
Um, it is through Lincoln Financial, which I haven't heard you guys really talk about Lincoln Financial much, but through Lincoln Financial, they managed my 403B. They, they charged me 1% to do that. Um, the funds that they use are definitely loaded funds, and the way that that's been explained to me is that they're using the loaded funds, but I'm not getting charged for them. So I guess I'm just trying to find out, is that a scam or what am I not understanding? Thank you. Well, I do believe that I have seen a Lincoln Financial plan in which they use institutional versions of loaded funds. So that is distinctly possible that you're not paying the load and you're getting an institutional fund, which I hope has a lower fee. However, 1% per year to manage the account? Wow, that's pretty expensive for something that doesn't involve a lot of work with you as an individual. That That's a pretty high custodial fee or administrative fee. It just seems on the high side. I would go to who, whomever my Lincoln person is. I would say, can you give me a breakdown of all the fees and expenses I'm paying? And then you might want to ask your employer to consider other options like some no-load mutual fund groups or, uh, or custodians like Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab or somebody like that. I, I just don't think they've found the best solution for you and your fellow employees. That's pretty expensive. Thank you so much for participating in the show. Thank you all for participating in it. And by the way, if you need some more involved help, more involved than we can provide in the course of a podcast, well, we help everybody at our firm, Appella Wealth. Everybody. Whether you have a bunch of money or you only have a little. Whether you ever plan to be a client or you'll never be a client. We're okay with that. And it doesn't cost you anything and you're not going to get a big sales pitch. So get some help and get it for free. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor or call 800-386-3004. 800-386-3004. Thanks so much for being a part of the the get together. Oh, and by the way, if you want to talk live tomorrow, Tom and I on Saturday, I put this out on Friday on Saturdays, Tom and I do a live radio show in the Seattle area. And you can, you can, any of you can call in at that same call in number, which is eight, five, five, nine, three, five talk. Just call us between three and five Eastern time, noon and two Pacific. And we can talk live on the radio. And then it becomes a podcast next week. Now we're done. I'm Don. Thanks for being there. I'll be back soon. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.